0: Greetings to all of you. One of the thoughts that came to me in the devotions was there are people in life that there's something about them, there's a warmth, there's an attraction that just, you know you can go to them. You know that it's the kind of person that will be willing to listen. And so that's, uh, as I was thinking of the light, being lights on this, as a city on a hill. I want to seek God to be more of that kind of a person. That warmth is just radiating out of my life. So thank you, Josh, for that challenge. God, make us those kind of people. So today, our title for the message, Infusing Each Moment with Purpose. Infusing Each Moment with Purpose, following along a bit with the devotions. Our text will be out of Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be reading the first 21 verses, but focusing mostly on verses 14 to 17. All the people of the world could be put in two classes. You're either a giver or you're either a getter. The giver or the getter, can you tell me which is better? So there's people that live to get. You know, that's very much like, talks about, If we are hoarding up money, it's like putting in a bag that has a hole in the bottom. You know, for these people or any one of us who live to get, at the end of the day, it's like taking that paper bag and looking into it and there's holes in the bottom and there's nothing in it. And yet people will live day after day. Living like that. Live to give. There's a sense of satisfaction and a fulfillment that the getter can never know. The truth of the matter is, God has wired us. Whether you... Maybe a person who is born again has the spirit of God within them and they're doing what they're doing for the Lord as unto the Lord and doing it for his glory and honor. Or whether you're a person who's never been born again. We are wired to find some satisfaction in giving rather than getting. That's just the way it is. Now, Jesus said, and he came with a very specific mission. He said, I've come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give my life a ransom. For Jesus Christ, the one motivating factor of his coming was to give. And not to live to get. Acts 20.35 says, I have shewed, shewed you all things... How that's so laboring! You ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." Now, I'm I am uh, preaching this message. I trust you can be, benefit from it, be a blessing. But uh, I am definitely the first one that needs it. Relationships. They will turn out very different whether we are a giver or a getter. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And let's read the first 21 verses. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given. <clears throat> he has given. What has he given? He has given himself. He gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication. And all uncleanness. Or covetousness. You know, this is the life of a getter. Fornication. Just thinking about himself. Thinking about herself. Uncleanness. Covetousness. It's selfishness. It's a life of me, myself, and I. Let it not once. Let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. Which are not convenient. But rather giving of thanks. Again, we have this idea of giving rather than getting. Filthiness, foolish talking, and jesting is all about self. And it's all about getting. But we need to be giving, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no warmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, past tense, but now, present tense, are ye light in the Lord. And the command, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So then, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is success, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord, or in the fear of God. Okay, looking at a few things in these verses. uh, Those that are born from above are light in the world, as we heard in the opening. But it says in verse 14 that we are supposed to awake from the dead. Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So the world around us is full of men who are filled with uh, trespasses and sins. We're called to arise up out of the mass of people. I'm getting tangled up in this thing. The mass of people, we're supposed to rise up and uh, step out of all the dead people. Those living in trespasses and sins. And we need to be a light. It's a call to rise. It's a call to step out. It's a call to come forward. Awake thou that sleepeth. Arise from the dead. Christ shall give thee light. Awake, awake, arise, stand up, and be counted. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse fifteen. Be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool, but live like the wise. A fool he lives trusting his own heart. He's humanistic in his evaluation of life. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusteth his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely he shall be delivered. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. One of the things we want to notice here is this word time. This word time is not so much a period of from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 6 o'clock in the evening. There's another Greek word that is very similar that would give more of an idea that it's from a certain period of time to another period of time. This word time could be replaced with a word like occasion or opportunity. So what it is saying is you buy back or you redeem the occasion. So as we're going through life, there is going to be occasions, there's going to be opportunities that God is going to put in our path, that is going to come our way. And we're called to redeem those times. Or, as our title, infuse every opportunity or infuse every occasion with purpose. Another translation would say it this way. Make the most of every opportunity. For doing good. In these evil days. So here we have. A mission. We're all missionaries. So we need to arise. From the dead. We need to arise from the, uh, From our sleep. We need to rise up from all the other dead people. Who are just going through life. Living a selfish life. And we need to. Infuse every opportunity or occasion with some good. Verse 17: "Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. To put it real simple, don't go through life not thinking. Don't go through life thoughtless. Words of a arise up from the dead. We're supposed to be walking carefully. We're supposed to be buying back the occasion because the days are evil. Now, don't go through life thoughtless. Be thinking. Be thinking. We need to be thinking. Oh, you know what? This might be another occasion. This might be another opportunity and I'm commanded to redeem it. Another opportunity, how can I buy up the moment and make it count for eternity? What good can I infuse into this moment? For this moment may only come to me once. The opportunities of life are fleeting past. Let us buy them up. They are most valuable because they form the seed plot of eternity. In the other life we shall reap the harvest which we have prepared for here. So give every flying minute something to keep in store. I think it's amazing that there are men and women today that make it their life goal. They'll spend much of their day in trying to hack into someone else's personal property. They'll spend hours and hours and hours to try to somehow get in. And I'm going to tell you the truth is that at the end of the day, when they're all done, they look into their bag. It's got a hole in the bottom. And the only thing they have going for them is that tomorrow they're going to try it again. These things can become so addictive. Addictive. I didn't realize till talking to someone just a few years ago who was addicted to shoplifting. I didn't realize you get addicted to shoplifting. But it actually becomes an addiction. It becomes a thrill. Something you live for from one day to the next. But even though at the end of their life, what a mess. A bag with holes in the bottom. Get such a thrill out of it. How much better, like the house of Stephanus? I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. That is the first fruits of a and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What a much better thing to get addicted to. So we are being asked today from the scriptures that we're not supposed to be thoughtless. This is one of the Number of thoughts that should be constant in our mind from the time we get up till the time we lay down at night. Buy up the occasion. Look for the occasion. Look for an opportunity to infuse it with purpose. Well, we're not alone. It says here, be not drunk with wine, wear any success, but be filled with the Spirit. There is our answer. Walking with Christ is our answer. He can help us. It is just as important, or maybe more important, to be earnestly desiring and reaching out for the filling of the Holy Spirit as it is, is I'm not going to touch strong drink. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled simply means make room for the Holy Spirit or yield your body. I believe if we are born again, I believe we get fill, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe we continue to get filled. And I believe we can ask, even ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Probably the biggest thing that would hinder it is us making room for it. Yielding ourselves. One of the ways that may be is just saying, oh God, today fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give room to your Holy Spirit. There was a pastor who once took two popular phrases of the day and combined them together in a sermon. The first phrase is... What in the world are you doing? And then the second phrase, which is a little more flippant, or actually probably is used in a bad sense, is, for heaven's sake. And so he combined these two. What in the world are you doing for heaven's sake? And he laid this out in five points. He suggested that every Christian should repeat the two phrases together five times, emphasizing different portions of the phrase each time. And so this is what he did. What in the world are you doing for heaven's sake? What? What? The second is, what in the world? are you doing for heaven's sake? The third is, what are you doing? What are you doing for heaven's sake? Fourth, what in the world are you doing for heaven's sake? And then last, what are you doing in the world for heaven's sake? So if we would take that and we would repeat that phrase, it might help us to really understand what is my purpose here on this earth. So the question comes back to us, are we confusing, Uh, are we infusing into every occasion some purpose of doing good? What in the world are you doing for heaven's sake? Every encounter with another human being, every relational interaction with another human is another moment given by God to invest some good into their lives. Self-centeredness, selfishness, a life consumed with oneself is a life that is boring, unfulfilling, and dissatisfying. I think a lot of us have learned that just from our own experiences. I meet a man twice a week. He is the milk receiver at the uh, milk processing plant, and he, uh, his wife has died, and he is planning to get married to a widow here in a couple of months. This widow lives in York County, and uh, she has a couple of boys. One in particular, he's in his upper thirties, and he lives in her basement. He lived in her basement. Now she wants to sell her house. And what does she do with the boy? Well, this husband-to-be is saying, kick him out. You've just been aiding him. You've just been helping him. So he plays video games from morning till night. He doesn't work. He has no government assistance, no government aid, no disability, no nothing. His mother helps him. Aiding him by giving everything he needs. So the last time I was up, I said, well, I said, Mark, are you excited about the wedding? Well, I said, not unless my wife Debbie kicks me out before then. Because I'm telling her that boy needs to go out on the street. He needs to go out on the street. He needs to learn that it isn't just taking advantage of everyone else all through life. Can you imagine how you would feel at the end of that day? There are a lot of people today that are living similar. We gotta live with a purpose. I do wonder sometimes though how different it is different it is for us if we live to get rather than to give. It's very obvious there. Ephesians two ten, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained. That we should walk in them. Good works or good deeds. We are his workmanship. And of course this word workmanship. Is from. A Greek word. Where we get our word poem. We are his poem. He's the great poet. What is he doing? He's going to work. And making our lives beautiful. Because. He before ordained that our lives should be flowing with good works or good deeds. So we have the great poet who is taking our life, workmanship, poem, taking our life and taking the difficult, the issues, the challenges, taking the stubborn words and the sentences and bringing them together, making a harmonious life. That we can be a light to the world. Since when was the plan? Before ordained. Before creation possibly. God knew I'm creating man. I'm going to make man with a free will. And he knew very well the outcome of it. He's going to have to come back to redeem mankind. And so I believe before even we were created. He said, I'm going to create human beings. I'm going to put these that are willing to repent of their sin, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill them with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to make them a beautiful workmanship, a beautiful poem to shed light in the darkness. Where are we at? How much are we like the Lord Jesus Christ? Acts 10.38, it said of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. There we have it. Jesus was specifically anointed to go about doing good. I trust that each one of us, by the command of the scripture, are anointed to go about doing good. Redeem the time. For the days are evil. This is who Jesus was. This is who he was known to be. His heart was set. His desire was focused. And he was busy going about doing good. When Tabitha died or Dorcas died. Who were the people that were standing around there? If you read the account, you would find the widows came to Dorcas's house. They heard about the death. And they were standing there showing what she had done. I'm just supposing that they were wearing clothing that she had sewed and she had made for them. And they were looking at each other and saying, we're going to miss her. Look, she made this. She made that. She made this. She went about doing good. Serving, possibly, one of the things she did was serving the widows in her community. The Bible says, redeem the time, for the days are evil. Look for an occasion. Look for an opportunity. I heard it this morning. Somebody's house. There was a fire. Someone's looking for an opportunity to reach out and shed light or good deeds or show forth the beauty of Christ there in that situation. We should be looking for those opportunities. Maybe some of you have read the account of Joris Whippy in The Martyr's Mirror. But that is worth retelling many times. Joris was apprehended for his faith in Christ as an Anabaptist. And he was... Condemned to die for his faith by drowning. And when the executioner, which probably was a man who was hired for this very job and probably did it for many. He came to do his normal job. And when he looked at who he's going to stick into the barrel or the bag and throw him into the water. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. This man has brought food to my house when my children were hungry. And he didn't do it. I had to wonder what kind of consequences there were for that executioner not to do his job. But he said, I won't do it. And he didn't do it. But the martyr's mirror goes on to tell us that they looked for two weeks to find somebody who was willing to throw this man into the water. And it wasn't until after two weeks till they found someone. Why? Because he was knowing to go about doing good. What a testimony. I imagine when he got up in the morning, his first thoughts were, God, it's another day. It's another opportunity. Where can I infuse good into some occasion? There was a violinist of the past and uh, he was very popular, well-known and he decided that he's going to make his will out and in his will, he's going to will his violin to his home city where he was born. But there was one stipulation and that stipulation was nobody was ever to play it. So it was supposed to be an unused relic. Well, the unfortunate thing about it was that the wood it was made of was very rare. And that as long as this instrument was used and handled, it didn't show much wear. But as soon as it wasn't handled, as soon as it wasn't used, it was left to ruin. The exquisite melatoned violin soon became worm-eaten in its beautiful case. Valueless except as a relic. The moldering relic is a reminder that a life withdrawn from service to others loses its meaning. Some of you, a few of you probably know my mother-in-law. She's 96 years old. She still lives by herself. She is becoming so hunched over Goes around with her walker, so hunched over. And when she walks, she never lifts her feet off the floor. They just go like this. One don't even get in front of the other. And that's how she scoots around. 96 years old. But every day, she is busy from morning till night. Now, it takes her a lot longer to make her meals. But when she's not making her meals, she is either sewing patches for comforters or something like that. Or she's writing letters to her children and grandchildren. She is busy. That woman woman has learned from an early day that there is meaning in life if you will refuse every moment by doing some good. Service at its fullest is doing it as unto the Lord. And there's the bit of the key. To finding fulfillment in doing it. If we do it as unto the Lord. Because some people, we will infuse occasions and moments with good. And some people might not appreciate it. But if we do it as unto the Lord. Ephesians 6, 5-7. to 7, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart. As unto Christ. Not with thy service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing services to the Lord and not to men, infusing every moment with purpose. William Carey, he said this: "My business. Is to extend the kingdom of God. I only couple shoes. To pay the expense. Now somebody had it right. William Carey got it straight. And I think if I could really get this one straight in my life. I think it would make all the difference. My business is to extend the kingdom of God. I only couple shoes to pay the expense. Or this here little phrase. Some of us are like wheelbarrows. How are we like wheelbarrows? Only useful when pushed and easily upset. Some of us are like wheelbarrows. Only useful when pushed. And easily upset. Well, if I were to tell you to turn in your Bibles to the Great Commission, where would you turn? Matthew 28, right? For God so loved... Oh, that's John. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. The Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, John D. Martin doesn't hold that as the Great Commission. Anyone know what he calls the Great Commission? It's not Matthew 28. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 25, let's look at the Great Commission as per John D. Martin. Matthew 25, and it is verses 31 to 46. Let's see if we can figure out why this is called the Great Commission. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was and hungered and you gave me meat. Here's the great commission. I was hungry and you gave me meat. It reminds me of George Whippy. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. Ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Here's a group of people. The sheep on the right side. Who infused every occasion with an opportunity for good. And I believe it became such a part of their life. Such a natural outfall of their life. That they didn't realize the importance of it. It just became natural. But then we have the others. And the king shall answer and say unto them. Verily I say unto you. Or this is... What he says, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. I do have to wonder if the two classes of people... The difference here was, is that they were not doing it to be noticed. They weren't picking out just the important people to do it to them. Well, they never did it to Jesus. Well, yeah, but they were doing it to everybody else. The poor, the lame, the maimed. So let us go in the power of the Holy Spirit and let us live out the Great Commission as Matthew 25, if every man and woman who is born from above and has the power of the Holy Spirit would make it their business to infuse every occasion with good works, this would turn the world upside down. All of us, if all of us who named the name of Christ would go about doing good, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, you know the Bible does say, the Apostle Paul He says that, you know, it would be better if you were single, especially with the time, because you would then be able to really zero in on the kingdom of God. But when you're married, the husband is considering how he can please his wife, and the wife is considering how she can please the husband. Now, Paul is not saying that to say that that's wrong. He's just simply laying out a principle. This is the work. This is the way it's supposed to work. Now, I find there are many people, even in our churches, whose marriages are not the way they could be. It's a simple thing. If we infused every moment, and how can I please my spouse? It would, our, it would change our lives. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children to parents, parents to children, neighbors to neighbors. Relationships would take on a whole new meaning. There was a German artist. He was born in the Black Forest. His father was a simple woodchopper. This young German artist was gifted, to say the least. And his reputation grew. And with time, he moved to London, where everybody else was that was important. And there he opened a studio. While he was there, his father was aging, and he decided to bring his father home. And so he brought his father home to London, to his house. And he got his father involved in making things out of clay. Uh, vases and dishes. And did a beautiful job. Did a beautiful job. And so they had things going. He was an artist. His father was a uh, making things out of clay, but... As the years rolled along, his father began to age and it took its toll. Later in life, at the end of the day, he would sadly climb the steps to his nightly repose. Sadly, because he couldn't do the job like he used to. At the end of the day, he looked at it and said, it's just not what it used to be. He was more feeble. Well, his son knew his father was climbing the steps sadly because his work was inferior. And so after his father was put to bed, he would go downstairs and he would take that vase, would take it in his own hands, and he would reshape it. He set it there in the morning, his father would come down, and he would look at the work of the day before, and he was surprised I did do a good job. I didn't even realize how good it was. And so he'd go back with fresh vigor and energy. And he would go at it again at the end of the day. He would sadly climb the steps. Just wasn't what it ought to be. The sun would go down. And he would make it. You know the Bible in Romans chapter 15. It talks about we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. You know, I think we can even infuse with purpose into occasions where someone else maybe is not able, maybe they're struggling with a sin, maybe they just gave us a whole load of their mind. We know the Bible says that a soft answer turneth away wrath. Can we just go around And can we bear up the infirmities of the weak? Looking for those occasions to infuse some kind of good and purpose into life. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be thoughtless. Try to understand what the Lord wants us to do. We have been ordained, before ordained. To walk in good works. This is one of the few very precise reasons for God creating us. This was decided long before you and I were born. Way back before anyone was created. The plan was formulated. So what does a special plan look like? Jesus, it says he was anointed for a very specific purpose. Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do what? To preach. The gospel to the poor he has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that was the anointing that Jesus had in his life. John fourteen twelve. it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So could we say by that, that as Jesus was anointed for his work, so you and I are anointed with a very special purpose. And that is to take every occasion and infuse some good into it. Goes on to say, In greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And there could be a, quite a discussion on what that is. But one thing we do know, that Jesus was one person, he was at one place at one time. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, now the presence of Jesus through you and I can be anywhere and everywhere. Well, even if we have lots of money, we are encouraged what to do with that also. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do what? That they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. Oh, another verse. Titus 2.13 and 14. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. In closing, I would like to draw a little picture here in the board to help us. You know, it seems like you know, it's a quite a high ideal and so down here is you and I and we're going to Make steps. And up here we have the ideal. The ideal is that every moment of our life, every moment of our life will be infused with some good. That's the ideal. A lot of us find ourselves down here somewhere. So where do we start? Well, one of the things that we could do is take take this whole idea that we need to awake if we're sleeping. We need to arise from the dead. All the other men and women of life, most of them, are living in dead and sins and trespasses. We need to step out from them. And we need to be zealous of good works. We're supposed to redeem the time, the days are evil, buy it back those occasions, those opportunities. So one of the ways we can do it is that every morning when we get up out of our beds as we get alone with God, we say, "God, help me to infuse the moment that you give me, the occasions with some kind of good." May be important for some of us to consider our lives, what are the hindrances? What are the hindrances in my life that will keep me from doing some good? Maybe it's this. So simple as, if you're like me, I get so caught up in my own world. My mind, I get caught up in my own world. And there's a lot of things in my view out there that is not being taken in. I'm not observing it. I'm in my own little world. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be thoughtless. And so maybe we have to somehow train ourselves to think. Uh, I think it was A.W. Toza that preached two messages. Of where are the thinkers? People who really ponder things that matter. So let us get up every morning and pray for an opportunity that God would remind us, that God would help us, that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit to go about infusing good into every. Occasion. Let us consider our lives for the hindrances that might be in them. How much time do I do something that has no purpose or value other than what comes of this world? Purpose and value. What are the hindrances? And then number three, maybe we have to repent of our selfish attitudes. I do. If I could really get a hold of this one and use every opportunity and infuse it with some good, it would change the relationships around me. But I'm pretty selfish. I still think too much of the time about myself. So I need to repent also. So let's not become discouraged with the ideal, but let us find ourselves wherever we find ourselves. Let's make the next step. And let's infuse every opportunity with some good. Could we stand and we'll have a word of prayer? Yes, Heavenly Father, thank you that as we have been born again and we have been saved, That we've been born again and we've been saved for a purpose. So let your light shine among men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, I pray. Awaken those of us who are sleeping. Help us to arise from the dead. Many, many that are living in. Dead in sins and trespasses. Help us to rise from the dead. Let our light shine. Help us to be thoughtful about the moment. Help us to redeem it, to buy it back. Help us to infuse into every occasion something good for the moment. Deliver me, deliver us from selfishness. And even as the scripture says, laying aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus. So help us to lay aside those weights. Those hindrances. Make it our life work to extend the kingdom of God. And let our business only pay the expenses. Pray a special blessing on this congregation here. Would you minister the word to each one of us as you see fit. And may you receive all the honor and the glory. And when at the end of our life we hear those words. Thou blessed come in. That we will throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And worship him. And throw down our crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. So bless each one. For your glory, for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated.